The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. Well, this year I went to renew my driver's license, and that's when they gave me the good news. There is now a 10-year option for your license, rather than just a 5-year one. So now you can have, only have to renew your license every 10 years. But that's when they told me the bad news. It was only available to young people under the age of 44, because I now need the eye test every five years. But that's when they told me the good news. There's a good driver discount of 50% now on your renewal fee if you've been a good driver. And I said to the lady, well, what makes me a good driver? And she said, well, if you haven't lost any points since your last renewal. And I said, that doesn't make me a good driver. That just means I never got caught for anything. <laughs> it's more good luck than good management. And then she laughed. She said, yes, in most cases, that is true. So according to the RTA, you are a good driver if you didn't get caught for anything. But is there more to being good than just not getting caught? So welcome again to this month's forum series. We're looking at how to have an extraordinary life. So far, we've looked at, oh, what was last week? <laughs> success, that's right. Our topics this month are success, goodness, life and legacy. Each week, one by one, we go through these topics. Look at what the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes has to say. This comes in the form of a 20-minute talk from me now, followed by 20 minutes of question and answer from you guys. And today we're looking at goodness. What makes us a good person? And usually we use definitions like we do the right thing, we keep the rules, we didn't break any commandments. Well, is that enough to define goodness? This is what the Bible has to say about goodness. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 15. In this meaningless life of mine, I've seen both of these, the righteous perishing in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. And the Bible sets up the question, well, what is good and what is the point? of being good. And that's our question today. How can I be a good person, an extraordinarily good person, when really what's the point in being good? So in the outline in front of you, you can see how we're going to answer today's question. There are three parts to the talk. First part, problems with being a good person. Middle part of the talk, problems with being a bad person. And in the final part of the talk, the Bible solution, how can I be extraordinarily good? So let's begin with problems with being a good person. And here I call this the traffic light problem, stopping at a traffic light. When we come to a red traffic light, show of hands, who here would stop? We'd all stop, wouldn't we? Okay, we'd all stop. If I was to say, okay, the first answer that comes into our heads, why would we stop? We'd all probably say, well, it's the law. I'm keeping the law. The law says I have to stop at a traffic light. Some of us might say, okay, it's just avoid having an accident. But let's say I said, okay... It's two in the morning, no one's looking, there are no police people, there are no red light cameras. Red light, would you stop at two in the morning? Who here would stop? All right, we'll still stop, okay? Even though we we're not going to get caught, we just say, it's the law. It's the law, right? Now let's say, two in the morning, no police people, no red light cameras, no one's going to get hurt. 
and the light's been red for 20 minutes. <laughs> Who here would go now? All right, we would all go. So suddenly realized, okay, at some point, we would all break the law. And at some point, the wise thing to do is to break the law, and the right thing to do is to break the law. So somehow there's more to being good than just keeping laws. And the Bible does the same thing. It says there are positive role examples of people break the law. Rahab, the prostitute in the Old Testament who lied. The Hebrew midwives in the Old Testament who lied to save a life. Even Jesus in the New Testament was always breaking laws. So there's more to being good than keeping laws. Verse 16. Don't be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Why be the schmuck stuck at the lights at 2 in the morning for 20 minutes? Don't be over-righteous. At some stage, you do have to break a law. So don't be over-righteous. That's the first problem. Second problem, being good can make you a little self-righteous. So that's a second problem. Now, why would we stop at the red light? Most of us might have come up with a second reason, that if I stop at the red light, I'm not going to hit this car, I'm not going to kill anyone. That's a good result, so it's good to stop at a red light. If I shoot the red light, I'm going to cause an accident, maybe kill someone. That's a bad result. That's why I don't shoot a red light. So it's almost like a karma thing. I do something good, something good will happen. That makes it a good thing. If I do a bad thing, something bad will happen. That makes it a bad thing. So that's another way of understanding doing right things. And every culture has its way of explaining this karma principle. If you're Asian, it goes like this. Study hard. Why should I study hard? Because that makes you a good student. Why does that make you a good student? Because you get into uni. Why is that good? Because now you come out a lawyer, which is a good result. That's what being good as an Asian means. Now, maybe conservative cultures have similar things. Why should I be a good family man? Why should I be faithful to my wife, not cheap? Why should I spend time with my children? Oh, because you're giving me a happy family. You're giving me a trophy family. Now I get the trophy family photo shot. That's a good result. That's why I should be a good family man. And contemporary societies have its form of calm as well. Why should I have an eco shopping bag? Why should I recycle? Why should I buy local? It's good for the environment. So that's what being good means. The problem with this thing is it actually makes you a little self-righteous, and you get the praise for good results. And other people get blamed for their bad results, which often aren't in their control. So look at how this works again. Look at me. I'm the good Asian. I studied hard. I'm a lawyer. Look at me. I must be a good person. Oh, look at you. You're not a lawyer. Oh, you probably didn't study very hard. You're a bad person. Shame on you. Or look at me. I have the trophy family. I have the trophy Christmas family shot. Oh, you don't have the trophy family. You mustn't have been very faithful as a husband, very loving as a father. Oh, shame on you. Look at me with my eco shopping bag, recycling, buying local. Oh, you have a plastic shopping bag. You forgot your eco shopping bag today. Oh, oh, you mixed up your recycling. Oh, your orange came from overseas. Do you know how many food miles are in that orange? Shame on you. 
So this form of being good actually makes you very smug, self-righteous, and actually very judgmental on other people, and you blame them for their misfortunes and bad results. Look at what the Bible says. Don't be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Again, why destroy yourself? Why make yourself that person? And then there's a third problem of being good, and that's that good guys just don't win. I lived five years in Chicago, America. I went to the Chicago Bulls games. What's entertaining isn't just the basketball. This is what you Australians don't get. In America, what's entertaining is what happens in between the games, the halftime entertainment. They, the Americans would cheer for anything. What they do at halftime is they put a blue dot and a red dot on the screen and they make them race against each other. And half the crowd are going, blue, blue, blue. Half the crowd are going, red, red, red. And when blue wins, half the crowd goes, yeah. And the other half goes, oh. And they just whip you up in this frenzy at half time. And another thing they do is they have T-shirt cannons. And they fire, poof, poof, T-shirts into the crowd. And the crowd just goes nuts trying to get these T-shirts. My friend, who's a basketball player, they shot a T-shirt right at us. And he had the T-shirt lined up and he was going to catch it. No way he was going to miss this shot. And then he looked in front of him and there's a lady in the row in front. And she had her hands out for the T-shirt as well. And he's looking at the T-shirt, looking at her, looking at the T-shirt, looking at her. And the last one, he pulled out and let her get the t-shirt. And she was so happy. And there's no way she could have guessed that it's only because my friend let her have the t-shirt. Now, my friend was a good person, but what did he get out of that? Nothing. He missed out on the t-shirt. I mean, what's the point of being good? He gets a warm, fuzzy feeling. But really, what's the point? 1976 Montreal Olympics. Now, I, I don't know if you remember what was significant about the 76 Montreal Olympics, and it was this. Australia won, do you remember how many gold medals? Zero. No gold medals. And now we look back and realise, it's because all the other countries cheated. All the other countries now realise we had systematic doping, they were performance-enhancing drugs, but not us Australians. We were clean, we ran clean, but what did it get us? Nothing. New Zealand got more gold medals than us in the 76 Montreal Olympics. This is Steve Jobs and, you know, the pin-up boy. I love using him, pin-up boy of the 21st century. Now we know he was terrible to his family, disloyal to his friends, but what did it matter? He got the wealth, the fame and the power. So bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. Verse 15, I've seen in this meaningless life of mine, I've seen both of these, the righteous perishing in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. Again, what's the point of being good? So that's the first part of the talk. What is the point of being good? So does this mean, well, I, well, I should just be a bad person? So let's look at the middle part of the talk now. Problems with being a bad person. The problem is this, by and large... Things don't go well either if you're a bad person, by and large. I remember once I was driving late at night and I came to a T intersection and it said, no right turn. And I thought, I've always turned right here. What's going on? Like, what is this sign telling me? And who, why should I listen to the sign? So I turned right anyway. 
And little did I know, they had changed my street to a one-way street. And suddenly there was a truck coming head-on towards me. So I had to U-turn and get out of there. So by and large, if you do bad things and break the law, bad things happen to you as well. Lance Armstrong, seven times he won the Tour de France. But now we know it's because he cheated. And so that, he got a bad result. He was publicly shamed. He lost his sponsors and he's been stripped of his winnings. Bernie Madoff, for 10 to 20 years, he was the number one financial advisor on Wall Street. But now we realise he was running a giant Ponzi scheme. He's been sentenced to jail for 150 years. He's been publicly shamed, so shamed that one of his sons has committed suicide as a result. So that's a bad result. So by and large, things don't go well for bad people either. Verse 17, don't be over-wicked, don't be the fool, why die before your time? So the solution isn't being a bad person either. So we don't want to be overly good, overly wicked. What's the solution? Let's come to the Bible solution now. And here I suggest three things. Number one, God is our source for judging what's good and bad. Let's go back to our traffic light example. Think about it. Why are we happy to stop at the light at 2 in the morning when it's red, when no one's looking, there are no cameras, there are no police people, and no one's going to get hurt? But why are we happy to go if it's been red for 20 minutes? Think about it. Why? What's the difference? Because when it's been red for 20 minutes, it's obvious that it's broken. The design is broken. The design of a red light is to stop at a red light but after 20 minutes, the design is broken. Actually, that's what being good is. Living according to the design, being wise to recognise when the design is working and when it's not working. Why was it bad for Lance Armstrong to cheat? Because the, the design of sport is to win fairly. Why was it bad for Bernie Madoff to run a Ponzi scheme? Because the design, the design of financial advice is to give honest, good advice. Why should I be a family man? Because that's the design of family, a framework of commitment, love and responsibility. But if there's design, there must be a designer. Because if there's no designer, then we don't know what's good or bad or what's, what's according to the design and what's not according to the design. Every Wednesday night is bin night. And every Wednesday night, I've got to try to remember, is a green bin... Or is it yellow bin? Is it green bin? Is it yellow bin night? And one night, I, I waited to see what the neighbour was putting out, and he put out the green bin. So I put out the green bin, and the whole street we put out the green bin, but it was a yellow bin night. And if we just follow ourselves, we get it wrong. And that's the whole point. We need a transcendent God, a, a designer from outside to show us what is the design. If it's just left up to ourselves, often we get it wrong. But the problem is when the designer comes in the form of Jesus, he tells us we have got it wrong. He says, you know, you family men, you think you're faithful to your wives, but, you know, you're cheating in your minds. You've been cheating in your minds. You friends who look so loyal on the outside, you know what? In your hearts, you envy what your friend has. And you guys, when you give gifts, you know what? You've got very mixed motives when you give gifts. 
things that look so good on the outside, on the inside, you're not living according to the design. So that's the first problem, uh, that God is a source of judging what's good and bad. But the second problem, by this definition, none of us are good. The designer says, and says, you're not good. Verse 20, indeed, there's no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. So what's the solution? Well, I think the third thing is this. We can be good by knowing God. Now, we look at this picture. There's an adult, adult, child, adult. And if we do the Sesame Street game, one of these things doesn't belong. Adult, adult, child, adult. Which one doesn't belong? Most of us, most of us would say, the child doesn't belong. Because we have three grown-ups and a child in the middle. The child is a child, the others are grown-ups. But philosophers point out that's because we're using Greek logic where we're looking at intrinsic principles. The child intrinsically is a child. Grown-ups intrinsically are grown-up, so they belong together. The child is a separate category. But most other people say, but if we use extrinsic categories, the one that doesn't belong is the other grown-up, because here we have mum, uh, mum, dad, and a child. We have a family. If we use relational categories to define the child, the child belongs. What does this mean for being good? Well, if we only use intrinsic categories to look at us, ourselves, none of us are good. But God says if we use an extrinsic category, if we can be in relationship with God, then we can be good. And that's why the Bible describes, well, verse 18, it is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other, but whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. Whoever's in a right relationship with God will avoid all extremes of being over-righteous or over-bad. We get it just right by being in relationship with God. And that's why the Bible describes the primary chief blessing of being a Christian as this. is not just getting your sins forgiven. It's not just going to heaven. It's being in God's family. It's being in relationship with God. And that's what makes us a good person. So what does that mean about being good? It means this. We have a designer who shows us the design, but none of us are living according to the design. So God sends Jesus to get us into relationship with God, and that gets us right with God. And now that we're right with God, we can be good people. So let me show you how this works. And I've said this a few times at these talks. The Bible's logic is this. Because we're in a right relationship with God, that makes us a good person. And because we're a good person, we do good things. That's the Bible's logic. But often we mix it up and go the wrong way. If we do good things, that will make me a good person. And if I'm a good person, I'll be in a right relationship with God. And we get it wrong when we do parenting. And I've used this example before. Imagine if I say to my kids, clean up your room. And then they say, why should I clean up my room? Because that will make you a good person. Well, why should I want to be a good person? Because now I'll love you as your father. And now that's sort of conditional love. And no one wants to grow up like that. Instead, I need to do the opposite of a parent. I'm your father. You are my son. I love you. And because you are my son, now clean up your room. (laughs) And that's basically what the Bible's message is. It's not about being good. So we've become good people, so now we're in a relationship with God. It's because God loves us, 
and we can be in his family and that makes us his good people and because we're his good people now we can be uh, we can do good things and that's how it can be extraordinarily good in God's universe We'll have time for questions, so feel free to SMS your questions in. We'll, we'll take some from the floor, um, just while people are getting their uh, thoughts together. Uh, to Sam, sure. are you saying that um, someone in God's family mm. can act like a jerk and that still be good? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's using the family example, can my, ch- can my son act like a jerk and still be good? Well, they're, they're layers of morality, aren't they? So in one sense, he is a jerk. He is a jerk. Uh, but in another sense, he'll always be my son. So, so extrinsically, he is good. He's in a right relationship with me. But intrinsically, he's just catching up. And one day, you just hope your son uh, intrinsically um, lives to be who he is. And that, that's how the Bible explains what it means to follow Jesus. God loves us just the way we are. We don't have to fix ourselves up for God. That's God's job. He fixes us up for God. So he loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. So he puts his spirit in us, and bit by bit he changes us on the inside so that we match the outside. Sorry, I've got another one here. Sure. Uh, so is it wrong to uh, want or to have the good life? So either the being a lawyer, the having the nice family Christmas shot. Yeah. Is, mm. it, is it wrong to want or have that? No, it's not wrong to want those things. Because uh, if you read the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is all about uh, wise living. So there's a designer. So there's a design in this universe. So live according to the design and by and large, things will go well if we live according to design. And part of the way God has designed us is to flourish and be excellent with what we have. So God has given us gifts and circumstances. So be excellent with what we have. So there are wise and right ways to live as a father uh, and as a worker and, and as a citizen. It's got a, a two-parter sure. that I think kind of launches off that a little bit. So uh, how do you work out what the design of something is, mm. and how do you tell the difference between something being broken, like mm. the design being broken, and when our understanding is faulty? Okay. Yeah, so how do we know? How do we know? So there's an ontological reality. There is a design, but there's an epistemological access problem. How do we know? How do we know? And the Bible says, well, it's layered. It's layered. We know through God's revelation, so reading the Bible. But the Bible isn't going to tell us, should you send your kids to public school or private school? It isn't going to say, be an engineer, an architect. So then we have to rely on this other category called wisdom. Wisdom. And that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. And Proverbs is amazing because sometimes it says, reply a fool. And then there will be a verse right next to it that says, don't reply a fool. So meaning, you're going to have to now use wisdom to work out, is this the time to say something, or is it the time not to say something? And that, that's the elusive thing. And so there'll always be a bit of a gap between ontological reality and just epistemological access, what we know. But that's part of the challenge and the excitement of living in God's world. So rather than uh, freak out about it, embrace it and celebrate that we have an adventure. Got a couple of other SMS sure. ones, but any 
questions that have come for comments back to what Sam has said. Uh, Sam, can you explain how the system, uh, how God allows the system to be broken? Yeah. How does a designer allow the design to be broken? And Christians have tried to answer this, and it's a cry that happens in the Bible. So almost every chapter of every book in the Bible has someone asking God the same question, why? And if we read the book of Psalms, one, the 150 chapters in the Psalms, it's almost someone always crying out to God, why? God, if you're so loving, why? If you're so righteous, why? If you're so just, why? Why is this going on? And the last book of the Bible, Revelation, has God's followers crying out to God the same thing. Why, God? Why is it so broken? And we can guess at different reasons. Maybe God is patient because the solution might be worse than the problem. So God is very patient in sending the solution. Uh, the Bible sometimes says maybe we're part of the problem. We have broken the design as well. Uh, maybe there's a wisdom in what God is doing. So the Bible hints at some reasons, but no one reason can adequately do it. So then we're left with this um, dilemma. Either God has no design and the whole system is broken, and that's why things are the way they are, or God is loving, God is wise, and there is a design, and I just can't see it from where I am. But if he is loving, if he is kind, if he is personal and there's a design, I'm just going to have to trust him on, on this one. Sure. Yeah, so, so the question is, with God, which one's more important, extrinsic or intrinsic? They're both important. Uh, and in the Christian tradition, it says, but it begins with the extrinsic. Because we can't ever make ourselves good enough for God. Uh, so it says, no one is righteous, everyone falls short. So that was that verse we read. So at an intrinsic level, we can never be good enough. So even though I think I'm a faithful husband, Jesus will say, ah, oh, but you're cheating with your mind. Even though I think I'm a loyal friend, Jesus will say, you know what? You're, you're envying what your friend has in your heart. Even though you're giving a gift generously, Jesus will say, you know what? You've got mixed motives as you give that gift. So intrinsically, we can never be good enough for God. But God says if we follow Jesus and trust him, extrinsically we'll be good enough for God because we're perfect in God's eyes. And then the project in this life now is to get the intrinsic to match the extrinsic. But it means we, we know extrinsically we are right with God. And they say what makes children flourish is if they know they're loved and if they know they're safe. They just need those two things. It's almost like the rest will look after themselves. And God's doing the same with us. He say, you know what, you are loved and you are safe. You, you are right in my eyes. And because of that, now we can flourish. No one will always be right in God's eyes. And that's why I said the primary blessing uh, isn't that we just get our sins forgiven, isn't just that we get eternal life, it's that we know we're in God's family. And, and so we'll always be loved, we'll always be safe in God's eyes, no matter what. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city, or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.